Good evening. Uh, my name is Greg Mead, and I'm glad uh, to be with you this evening, glad to have the opportunity to, to fill the pulpit here, um, thankful for uh, all the things that happened uh, to make this happen, and I, I bring you um, greetings from East Liverpool, Ohio, uh, just an hour away uh, across the state line there. I'm glad that we're a part of the Presbytery with you. I'm the pastor in East Liverpool, Ohio, and uh, have been there for just over three years. And when I think about what brought about uh, me being with you uh, this evening, uh, I am aware that even at Presbytery meetings, not just good conversation can happen, but happy conversation can happen. So uh, Pastor Matt and I were sitting at lunch at Presbytery, and we got to talking, and he had preached for Presbytery that morning, and, and then we got to talking over lunch, and I was talking about how uh, the Lord had uh, called me to, to preach this series on hospitality at our church in East Liverpool, Ohio. Our, our church is historic, it's small, but we're scrappy. And I'm glad uh, we're there. And when I think about what the Lord's called um, us to do there and seeing that work revitalized and refreshed, how, how essential it is that we take up this conviction about biblical hospitality, that through it we would have an outward face, that we would gain relational health and along the way find more and more things to celebrate as we welcome others in. So tonight I'm celebrating because as I look out, there's a number of familiar faces and I'm thankful for the way in which God has, has put us together uh, this evening. I'm thankful that this evening we have a chance to just reflect for mere minutes on the Good Shepherd's hospitality through a well-known passage of God's word in Psalm 23. But when, whenever we approach the study of hospitality fittingly, that study is always satisfying, but it's never really mastered. And when I come to you and attempt to talk to you about biblical hospitality, I, I look and see families and faces who I can know with confidence have been doing biblical hospitality longer than I've been alive. And so all I'm doing tonight is aspirational and invitational. It's aspirational because what I want to talk about tonight is that which I'm still learning, that which my wife and I are still growing in, and certainly hospitality isn't as easy as it used to be uh, a mere seven weeks ago before Eddie joined our family. So we're glad um, that in every season the Lord calls us to welcome others as he has welcomed us. So thank you for the invitation, for allowing me to be with you, and for sitting under God's word with me this evening. We have all experienced in one time or another uh, a welcome gone wrong. It's been made very clear to us that we don't belong. Whether that comes from simple ambivalence or avoidance or whether that escalates to mistreatment or various kinds of abuse, we've all received twisted and sick welcomes. But hospitality is a welcome gone right. Hospitality is, is leaning into our relationships 
with the heart of God. And simply put, that word hospitality, the word philoxenia, means love of stranger. And it could also, if we press it into the corners of our church lives, it's love for the estranged. How much different is the vision for hospitality from xenophobia, which is that fear of strangers which keeps them at arm's length? When we think about endeavoring into a study of hospitality, which you will continue in for weeks to come, and I'm excited that not everything has to be said tonight, but that more will be said in weeks to come, other voices around us are often calling to us to tell us that difference means that we should deny fellowship. But in God's kindness, just as we face common temptations as men and women in this fallen world, as we face common temptations, God provides for us common ways out of temptations. So if we believe that a common temptation in our hearts and in this age is that our spaces or even our homes are our castles for our protection and our entertainment, then hospitality provides a way to release those things into the service of the Lord, acknowledging that we own nothing, but we are stewards of everything. Hospitality is a way of acknowledging that the Lord gives us homes, that we would open homes. And when we open our homes, we open our hearts to one another. That through our homes, we would build bridges, even within the life of the church and into our communities. A name that many of you know, uh, Rosaria Butterfield, has written extensively on hospitality and wonderfully, and I commend her work to you. The gospel comes with a house key. But she says something to the effect that our homes are now a post-Christian weapon of spiritual warfare. Our tables are what they've always been, tools in God's hand to build up his church and to add to it for the work of evangelism and discipleship and even our own honest sanctification, that we would work against that temptation to be self-absorbed all day, every day. Hospitality shouts to us that it's not all about me. Instead, it's all about them. It's not about circling our wagons, but opening our arms. And in this, which I'm uh, graciously calling the new year still, it's just not the first anymore, even in this new year, God's given us an opportunity to reset our sights in how Hospitality invites us to live out the very message and momentum of the gospel with our lives. But that always begins when we take fresh sight of him. Our hospitality will be stagnant and stale if it's an attempt to enter into some sort of spiritual performance for our own praise. But if our hospitality starts in looking at the very heart of God, then we see the grand message of the whole Bible is the very hospitality of God. 
that from Genesis to Revelation, God has been welcoming sinners and making a place for you and me in his own heart. And once you look for biblical hospitality and you see it in the character of God and in the scriptures, it explodes. You see it everywhere. That he makes a home for his people in Eden and all the way to that garden city of the book of Revelation. Because in the very work of creation, God is engaging in placemaking for his people. For Adam and Eve, everything is theirs. God has given them all things in the garden. He makes a place for them, and he comes near them with his presence. And it's there that they have opportunity for flourishing under his welcoming hospitality. When he walks with them, and yes, he even feeds them. And if you're like any church I've ever been a part of, you know how to feed one another. But in God's creative act, he's not just making a place for his people, but in his covenant making with his people throughout the Old Testament and the whole of the scriptures, he's a promise-keeping God, not merely a place-making God. He makes a place for his people through his presence, but then promises Abraham that through him, through the people that will come from him, he will make him a blessing to the nations. When we think about God being a place-making and promise-keeping God, he shows us how his own hospitality ought to win our hearts before we ever think about our own performance of hospitality. Because his welcome must fuel our own. So tonight we have an opportunity to again think God's thoughts after him. To see in his heart our greatest motivation towards hospitality because as you have heard and I pray as you will hear again and again your greatest motivation towards hospitality is that God your God has been hospitable to you out of his very character and heart and when we believe that then we pursue others out of the abundance of our hearts gripped by the heart of God. And so this evening, we're going to a familiar place in the scriptures, Psalm 23, as we look to see the good shepherd's hospitality. Psalm 23, uh, would you pray with me as we anticipate hearing God's word? Our Father and our God, we come to you this evening Thankful that in your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, we have the incarnate Word, and now open before us, we have the inscripturated Word, and we pray that in it we would hear Jesus Himself preach to us. Father, that in this Word we would see our weakness and the strength and sufficiency of the Lord Jesus. And Father, in seeing Him, help us to follow Him. We thank you that He leads us well out of and into his own heart for we pray in the name of christ our savior amen psalm 23 beginning in verse 1 the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul 
He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. The picture Psalm 23 paints for us is of God as the hospitable shepherd. Psalm 23 gives us a grand picture of God's hospitality. And often we approach this psalm and take it at its first line, saying the Lord is my shepherd, and think that that is the only picture to be found in this psalm. And that picture, that theme of shepherd is sweet and it is rich, and we're going to linger there for just a moment. Because when you think about the world into which this psalm was given, into that ancient Near East world, shepherds often have kingly associations. They're metaphorically often tied in world history and even in the history of Israel throughout the scriptures. This is true in the nation of Egypt, and it's certainly true if you think about the man after God's own heart, David himself. And why is this? Why do shepherds and kings, why are they intertwined? Because both rule and guide. And this shepherd proves himself to be our guide. And and you think about what, what makes a good king what makes a good shepherd? They, they lead you to nourishing places. They lead you into these rich pastures and still waters. But what makes a good king? It's if they know how to throw a good feast. A good king knows how to show good hospitality. And so when we approach Psalm 23, we're We're almost reading the end of the psalm through the beginning as we think about this hospitable shepherd. And the greatest divine specificity of God's hospitality comes in one who takes on both of these roles of shepherd and king, none other than our Savior Jesus Christ. The one whom we have celebrated and sung of for for weeks on end, that Emmanuel who is God with us. That good shepherd who, John says, comes close and lays down his life for his sheep sacrificially. That great shepherd of the sheep, says the author of Hebrews, who saves and sanctifies his people. But where does this shepherd guide us? Should we follow this shepherd where he leads? If you look at Psalm 23, you see where this hospitable shepherd leads you is into his own home where he is the host. We're going to take this psalm in three sections and think about three just glimpses into God's hospitality. First, in verses 1 to 3, God's hospitality is satisfying. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The shepherd comes close to his people and when he comes close he provides for them he takes them to the best of places and he satisfies them with all that they need 
And he leads them into safe places for his own glory and the dignity of his own name. God is satisfying his people and leading them back into himself. And this is proven true in the person and ministry of Jesus in John chapter 1 as we're told that he made his home among us in the incarnation. He dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. So the only way God's hospitality is satisfying is in his own presence near and with us. In Jesus' own incarnation, we see the restoration that comes about, the refreshment of soul that happens through his ministry and through his miracles. When he eats at tables of people that he's not supposed to be seen with, when he's accused of being a drunkard and a sinner, He's identified with those he comes close to. And in his miracles as he feeds the 5,000, time and again, Jesus says, come near to me. And if God's hospitality is satisfying, it's only through his own presence. And that's no clearer than in the person of Jesus. And if we are going to do hospitality in any way that's reflective of God's hospitality, we can't do it at a distance. The beauty of biblical hospitality as you welcome others into your home and your heart is that you are inviting them to know you and to be known by you. As you welcome others in, you're signing up to be vulnerable. You're letting down your armor and Your presence comes often through the ministry of meals. This was true for Jesus. There's something about food that gathers and gladdens people. There is certainly a ministry of meals under this heading of biblical hospitality. But what hospitality is, is heart to heart. Nourishing, satisfying welcome that says you belong with me. It's not mere food, but it's spiritual satisfaction that says we belong because God's hospitality is satisfying. God's hospitality is also safe. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I know that this is been a full weekend for the church. I know this hasn't been an easy weekend uh, for many of you. I know that some of you feel as if uh, the shadow of death is yet again coming close. And if you don't feel it acutely even now, you have or you will. But there's something about the leading of the Lord. There's something about the goodness of our shepherd that says when we walk with him, We can walk through difficulty. We can walk under the reality of death. But we know that the Lord ensures the safety of his own all the way home. Our shepherd does not give up halfway. His rod and staff are a comfort to us because they picture they they are weapons of retrieval and defense 
God's hospitality is safe because through it he woos us back like Hosea calling out to his wife Gomer. God woos us back and proves himself as our defender. Through his welcoming heart, he claims us and brings us back to himself. And in our own hospitality, in the same way, we're called to welcome the wayward and the wanderer. We're called to move towards them in a way that reminds them that they are safe. As we seek to defend them from Satan's and even their own accusations against themselves. And one of the greatest joys of hospitality is the opportunity to lead them back into the safe arms of their Savior in the gospel. If we believe that our hospitality is to be safe, we have to commit to being a friend to someone before we force them into fellowship. We have to commit ourselves to being good neighbors before we try to drag forward another new convert. But if God's hospitality is safe as ours should be, we should put people at ease and invite them to rest alongside of us as we welcome them into our lives. We believe that God's hospitality is satisfying, it is safe, and it is also secure. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is solidity in fellowship with God. And the picture of this psalm is that God's people don't really care who's watching. The enemies of God's people have become powerless spectators as blessing washes over God's people. As he brings them all the way home to a place that is permanent and unshakable. Because we are secure being led by our hospitable shepherd. Because there is blessing in being led by him. And that blessing might not be seen visibly, but it can still be spiritually savored. Being welcomed to God in the person of Jesus Christ is the most safe and secure place to be. He is the fountain of life in whom we are ultimately satisfied. And in the hospitality of God personified in Jesus, we know from John chapter 14 that Jesus is so committed to being hospitable towards us that he promises and tells his disciples to not let their hearts be troubled, to not let their hearts go on to the storm-tossed ocean of emotions. But to know that their Savior and friend is committed to making a home for them just as he is for those who trust in Jesus by faith. He says in John 14, these very words, that he is going to prepare a place for us. 
And if he's going to prepare a place, then certainly he will come again to take us to be with him. There is comfort in this secure and intentional hospitality of our God. When he, in Jesus, says to us, where I am, you may be also. In his strong presence, there is peace. When he says, there, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We know that his welcome would ultimately be blood-bought. That his welcome would send him all the way to a cross that would send his arms wide. That his welcome, death itself, could not keep down. As he would be resurrected and even in the garden, welcome those who once knew him back to himself. Because we know, brothers and sisters, that no one comes to the Father unless they come through Jesus. And if they come through Jesus, he will never cast them out. Because Jesus has readied rooms for us in heaven. He is so committed to his people that he's yet again making a place for us and keeping every promise in himself as yes and amen. And if that is God's welcome to you tonight and to me, then no one should fear coming to your table. You should be emboldened and gladdened to welcome all kinds of people. To welcome them with honesty in the midst of difficulty. To welcome them comforted by sovereignty, knowing that no enemy Fashion, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. That no enemy can stand ultimately against the Lord Jesus. And just as he was with us, we can pursue others with intentionality, with invitations that sing. So we believe that God's hospitality is satisfying, it is safe, and it is secure. And isn't it Something that at the end of Psalm 23, there's a table prepared for God's people. And there's a house in which we'll dwell. There's, there's cups and they're running over and it's a picture of lavish provision and eternal protection with no expiration date. And that is God's hospitality. And if you sit in that, if you bask in that, if you enjoy those truths that it is powerful to motivate your own hospitality. Because God promises in His welcome not mere respite, but permanent restoration and ultimate recreation. Because God's presence with His people will one day be ultimately and beautifully perfected Because as John puts it in the book of Revelation, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, 
Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. God will prove himself in that day the provider of home and our host for eternity. From that time forth and forevermore, we will dwell in a new city in the presence of our God where he sets for us a divine banquet where God displays himself as the eternal founder of the feast when our cups will forever overflow and tears will forever cease. When the hospitable heart of God sings over us quiets our grief, and satisfies us with himself as we entrust ourselves eternally to a place-making and promise-keeping God. May our hospitality bear the same marks as his. May we point to the one who spiritually satisfies, the one who guides us safely by his strength, who promises us secure refuge and a home with him forever. Because our hospitable shepherd has one final word. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Would you pray with me?